get to know people who are different than we are. We hear different perspectives and we better understand others' stories. We allow the world to become a smaller place as we stand with people instead of just having opinions on issues. I'm your host, Katie Axelson. This week, we're chatting with my new friend, Kelsey Flyer. Kelsey and I met through a podcasting group that we're both part of. She is a nonfiction self-help writer who writes about grief, chronic illness, and motherhood. She's a blogger at Aperture Expanding and has been doing that since 2017. Kelsey, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Super excited to be here and to chat with you. Yeah, I am so excited to get to hear your story. The little snippets that I've heard have had me very intrigued. So I'm excited to hear a fuller version than what we've already had. Thank you so much. Yeah. Let's start by just giving you a few minutes to bring us all up to speed on what your journey has looked like and what brought us to this point. Sure. Um, so really, we'll just jump right in because how it all got started is really jumping right in. Um, in 2017, November 2017, I was diagnosed with a um, benign spinal tumor and it starts in my spinal cord, wraps around into my psoas muscle. Um, and that led into an emergency surgery and spinal fusion and all these things. Um, they're not able to remove the full thing because it's embedded in my nerves. It's called a neurofibroma. And so all that to say, um, it put me face to face with the reality of the cliche, life is short. Mm. No longer was that saying just a little wooden sign hanging in the kitchen. It became etched inside my eyelids um, mm. because it was presented to me. And I was very young at the time. Um, and so it really kind of asked me, what are you really put here to do? How are you supposed to live this one life? Um, because it, it couldn't all be gone tomorrow. It could all be gone the next second for all of us. Oh, we, yes. we truly never know. And so um, at the time I was working um, in the hospitality industry with what I went to school for, for event management. And I had been doing that for a very long time. And I always wanted to be a writer, but I, you know how that goes, the imposter mm -hmm. syndrome and the doubt yep. and the, the naysayers and all these things. Um, and I, completely let all of that win. And so I just went with the more traditional path of being in the hospitality industry. Um, and I was burnt out. The work-life balance was non-existent. And then here comes the tumor. So yeah. um, all that to say, that's when the blog was born. I was on mm -hmm. bed rest for many, many months. Wow. And so the blog was then born. Um, and from there, I've, I've been writing and um, I help other small businesses as well. So I write for them and try to get them to um, work in their own genius zone. So a lot mm -hmm. of photographers and florists, um, wedding planners, things like that. So I write for them and allow them to focus on their genius zones. And then also uh, I am writing my book as well. That's awesome. Let's Thank start you. here. Tell us about your book. So my book is currently in the proposal stage. So with nonfiction self-help, uh, as you know, you start with um, the proposal, which is basically you have to do a marketing plan and all the technical, logical, good stuff. And then from there, you give two to three sample chapters. Um, so I just got my edits back from my editor. So the next step from that is you have to start sending the proposal out to literary agents. Um, and so you have to research all those literary agents, see what other authors they represented, what other books they represented, um, and who you think would be a great partner to walk in this journey with you and with this book. And so once I have that list um, completely formatted, I start sending the proposal, sending personalized letters and praying through the process. Mm. That's so intimidating. That's the scary part for me. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah. I mean, 
as you know, being a writer, it's um, significantly more rejection than than good times. <laughs> yes, agree. Um, but it's just part of it, you know. All yeah. it the the whole all it takes is one yes. Um, it really is the truth, and you know, God God is going to bring me the exact right partner for this book. Um, I believe in the words. I believe that they're not my words. Um, I know that it's all his, it's all his book. It's his book. It's his work. It's his words. Um, and I know that I am just the vessel to tell this story and hopefully bring others more hope and joy. That's awesome. Is the book like your story or is it, what is it? It is. Yes. So it's a collection of essays, um, starting with the scar. Um, Mm -hmm. and it just walks down through the journey. Um, it's, it's a three section series. So it, um, I believe that our scars, if we embrace them, they unfold the roadmap that leads us to the life that we were actually put here to lead. And I don't just mean it leads us to chase our dreams. It leads us to the job. It leads us to, no, I mean, it leads us to live life completely wide open. Mm-hmm. We're all born with this childlike joy. And that's exactly how we're called to live. But over time, we stuff it out and, and mm-hmm. stifle it and we we get hurt and we we're humans on earth. Mm -hmm. And so life happens. And so more and more and more, the childlike joy goes away, but we were called to live extremely joyfully. The map, it it leads us to live life completely open to not just everybody else's stories and everybody else's traumas and joys, but our own as well. So living life because we have been hurt, not in spite of being hurt, but Mm. um, allowing that to find us more connections and community and more compassion for others it's three sections. It's, um, of course, the unfolding of the map and then the sharp corners, which is all the, the tough stuff, the tumor, sure. and yeah. loss of my papa and really mm-hmm. hard things. Yeah. And then the last is um, the treasure found along the way. And so all mm-hmm. the, the really joyful moments that we have found, yeah. even in really dark times. How do we find joy in those really dark times? Oh, gosh. <laughs> sometimes you really don't. Um, sometimes you just need to sit in the rough parts. The most joyful people I know are the ones that have known the most pain, but they've really known that pain. They haven't just skirted around the pain. They haven't just felt something painful and then, oh, well, I'm just going to keep going. No, they've really sat with their pain and they've really befriended that pain and learned from it and, and, um, and wrestled with that pain Mm -hmm. and come out more joyful and more hopeful. So I don't think, certainly I don't think we're supposed to live through life heel kicking, you know, (laughs) and dancing. That's just not the reality. Um, but I don't think that we, in our, in our wrestle, we can't let it stifle us. We can't let us, it, let it stall us and stop mm-hmm. us. And most of all, we can't let it completely close us off from the human experience and close us off from deeper, more meaningful relationships. It has to do the opposite. And so a lot of the time in the really hard days, the really hard moments, that looks like finding joy in the fact that the coffee cup you're drinking from is from a family vacation you took when you were 12 mm-hmm. and you had the most wonderful time. And that's the first time that you went in the ocean with your father. Mm. And so you have to just kind of, um, I, I've caught, I call it the joy spiral. Yeah. When you start thinking about joyful things, they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so mm. if we're thinking about that mug, you can think about, gosh, how lucky was I to have a family vacation when I was younger? Yeah. How lucky was I to still have this mug? And how lucky am I to have coffee in my coffee pot? How lucky am I to have a roof over my head? How blessed am I to have, milk and even sugar to put in this coffee and and how lucky am I to feel and experience the warmth of it and to taste it and to smell it and to breathe and 
I look out and there's clouds. And even if it's raining, there's rain and rain is beautiful. And, and you just kind of spiral. So, you know, I know we all, especially in the last few years, get lost in the doom spiral of, gosh, well, this is going and this is happening. This is scary. And I don't know what's going on here, here, here. But I think in the really dark times, clinging to one thing, just finding one thing and letting your mind spiral and Mm -hmm. fixate on the one really small thing, it will very quickly turn into a joy spiral um, and really help you through the really, really hard days. Oh, I love that. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit more about what those really, really dark days have looked like for you. So you mentioned that there was a spinal tumor and then the surgery. And then what has that journey been? So that actually started before 2017. Um, It started in 2014. I started having extreme pains. I would wake up in the middle of the night, um, right around the the time of my monthly cycle, every Mm -hmm. single month. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was middle of the night, extreme pains. I mean, like you're on the tile of your bathroom floor because the tile is cold and you're clinging oh, wow. to the toilet and you're in so much yeah. pain kind of pain, like you're sweating. It's so painful. Yeah. Wow. Um, and it was all in my belly and then all down my right leg. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it kind of felt like my body had fallen asleep. The right side of my body had fallen asleep, but it was, I actually call it the alligator. Like an alligator was, was just sure. like wrapped on the right side of my body because yeah. my whole right side was sort of numb. So like mm-hmm. imagine the, you know, your legs yeah. kind of in the alligator. So that part's kind of numb but it's clamped down right on my lower belly. Sure. And so that's the best way I know how to explain it. That was once a month. And mm-hmm. so when I first approached my doctor about it, I was told that it was acute feminine pain and to take Advil and basically get over myself. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> and so um, it kept happening, of course, every single month. And so I just thought, okay, well, clearly I'm just a baby. You know, I just, mm. this, I just need to get through this. And so I did. And, and that's how it was for years and years. And I, I had this one absolutely wonderful boss um, and he had three daughters. And this episode happened one time when I was working. I was at a front desk at this uh, nonprofit called Give Kids the World. We work with Make-A-Wish children oh, cool. in Orlando. Absolutely wonderful place. Yeah. Um, and I had an episode. So I went to the back of the front desk and I was just kind of breathing through it. Mm-hmm. And um, his name was Sean. He saw me and um, he asked what's going on. And I told him, I said, Oh, I just, you know, every month, this is how it goes. It's okay. It's just, you know, my cycle is going to yeah. start soon. And, this, and he said, Kelsey, I have three daughters and a wife. This is not normal. Like yeah. you, you need to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And so he sent me to the hospital. Yeah. Um, and um, from there, they then said I had kidney stones. <laughs> okay. It was not kidney stones. And so that was 2016. That was a year of thinking that it was kidney stones. Wow. And then finally, um, this was in the summer before the surgery. I was on a vacation with my sister who is a nurse mm-hmm. and, and I had an episode and she was there for it. Sure. And so she saw me like on the bathroom floor, just kind of breathing through the pain. And um, then she said, just like Sean said, this is not kidney stones. You yeah. need to really see a specialist for this. You need to push mm-hmm. for scans, actual scans, you need scans, you need to pursue this. And so we did. And so we started uh, with a urologist and they did scans um, of my abdominal section and it came back clear. Um, so they didn't really understand what was going on. So they did a little bit lower and they did a scan of my pelvic region. And um, I remember because I had a follow-up appointment that day and I went and checked the mail and I had a report of this scan that they had just performed a couple weeks prior. Mm-hmm. And the, the appointment was to discuss that report. Yeah. And it said, um, it said mass on lower lumbar region. Mm-hmm. And I had a 45 minute drive to the doctors. Yeah. I, the furthest thing from my mind was tumor. Sure. Um, and so I, 
obviously spiraled. Um, yep. My then he was my fiance. Then we just got engaged. He's not my husband, but he obviously took the wheel and drove us to the appointment. Yep. And I was just a disaster the whole car yeah. ride. So from there, urology couldn't help us. And he said, you know, there's actually a neurosurgery uh, unit right above us. So go ahead and just take this over to them, take to the secretary and see what they can do. Obviously, I walked in saying, can you see me today? <laughs> Please, yeah. like, you know, and they couldn't, mm -hmm. um, understandably. And so uh, there was more waiting. The most painful thing, honestly, was the waiting. I mean, sure. it was it was it was years of wondering yeah. what was going on. And then even then, more waiting. And so I saw him and that was a whole nother process because then that was OK, well, now we're going to do spinal um, scans. And so that was MRIs and then CTs. And there was a whole bunch of messiness in that. Mm -hmm. He was definitely not the right doctor for me. Mm. Um, but I'm so thankful because it was so hard walking through that. But God's hand is so clear in it yeah. looking back because um, right when he was going to schedule me for surgery, he um, referred me to a general surgeon of his. And he said he needed a general surgeon to help him with my case, but he never really gave me un an understanding of it. And the, the biggest thing too, I'll never forget. He never looked me in the eye, mm. never looked me in the eye. Um, and, and that was, you know, I, I know a lot of the time people are kind of, especially in doctor, you know, the doctor world, they're very straight to the point and everything, but certainly look your patient in the eye, especially if you're diagnosing them with a tumor and a major mm. surgery. And so, you know, I just thought, okay, well, you know, he has all these awards, he has all these accolades, so I'll go and I'll see his general surgeon and then we'll book the surgery. And then hopefully by the grace of God, I'll, I'll be okay. Yeah. And um, so I met the general surgeon and he told me they were going to have to crack my chest, move some vital organs because the tumor was in my psoas mm -hmm. and going in through my spine would paralyze me. Mm. And basically what he, what that came down to was at the end, because my my husband and I had a lot of questions and he said I think it might be time for you to consider a second opinion uh -huh. so what he was basically doing was he was trying to make me run for the hills because he knew that the neurosurgeon that was currently tabbing my case couldn't handle it sure um, otherwise he would never referred me to a general surgeon right and so we were back at square one and then that next weekend we were scheduled my husband's family is in Orlando and so we were scheduled to head north to go see them for the weekend and just kind of try to figure out what's next yeah well that one morning I woke up and the whole right side of my body I could barely feel it was no longer just an episode it was mm -hmm. I genuinely could not put a lot of pressure on my right side yeah my husband took me to the hospital mm -hmm. and that was that I mean it took you know you're waiting in the ER and wondering what the heck's going to happen yeah. And they were going to discharge me. They did another MRI, another CT. They said, yes, you definitely have a mass. It's definitely pressing on your spinal cord. It is urgent, but we can't help you right now. So we're going to have a, you know, we're going to have you go to a follow-up on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Meanwhile, I can't walk. Right. And so my husband's talking to the ER doctor. Um, and he said, you know, all due respect, I can't take my wife home. She, she, she literally can't walk. Like, yeah. do you expect me to carry her? You know, she needs your help please help her. I, I mm -hmm. can't send her home like this. And as he's debating the doctor, the doctor gets a page from the attending PA of the neurosurgery board. This is three in the morning. Wow. Yeah. And the PA was not even supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. He was staying late. He had a ton of cases he wanted to catch up on. He was not supposed to look at my chart at all. It was on the, on the dock for the next day. Sure. And he just happened to pull my file and wow. view my images 
And so he, yeah, so he radioed the, the doctor and said, if you discharge that patient, you have to call her back right now. She needs surgery immediately. Yeah. Wow. And so, you know, he got that as he was standing there. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely wow. incredible. Um, mm-hmm. And so he came down moments later and I remember he looked me in the eye mm. and he, he touched my leg and, and he said, I'm in, I'm in. Are you guys in? Because I, I'm in if you guys mm-hmm. are. And we both wept um, with relief yeah. and um, just an extreme peace, just knowing that yeah. this is exactly who we were meant to be with. And wow. so, yeah, so all I had to say then, of course, was the surgery. And we actually found out right before I went in um, that the neurosurgeon who did my surgery graduated from the same high school I did, wow. which is in a small, tiny town in Ohio. Yeah. Wow. And you're in Florida. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, my yes. gosh. So it was just beautiful I mean really beautiful um just exactly where I should have been um with the exact people I should be with and so a very messy journey but I am in the most wonderful hands now and so that was the surgery um because the tumor is in my spine it did erode some of my vertebrae and so they had to put a rod and three screws in there and a mesh cage to kind of help encourage that vertebrae to continue to regrow into that mesh cage mm-hmm. and so um so that's what happened with that and so I was in the hospital and then um discharged and I did months and months of PT after months and months of bed rest sure um and all the while we were engaged so our wedding was May of 2018 this was November 2017 oh, wow. mm-hmm. and so it was definitely in sickness and in health yeah <laughs> before, right away before the wedding but it was really beautiful because mm-hmm. We always, the whole time we were working through PT and, and working through everything, it was just, we are going to walk down that aisle. We are going to get you to walk down the aisle. Wow. Um, and I did. And so it was brutal, but absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just turned out exactly how it should have been at the exact moment that it should have. Um, so now here, what that looks like is I do um, annual scans to check the growth of it. Sure. It, it, it was stable for a long time and it has started to grow again. Mm. Um, and so now they've assigned a neuro-oncologist to the team as well. Okay. And so they're just going to continue to track it. Um, they do MRIs and CTs of my spine and of my pelvis so they can see what it looks like on the spine and what it looks like on the front. Mm-hmm. Our biggest prayer is always that, re- that it remains benign. Sure. Um, and it has so far, which we're so thankful good. for. So that's really good. Um, we're just praying that it continues to grow extremely slowly and, and we just go from there yeah wow so now you just kind of like see what happens pretty much yeah so it's definitely it's definitely a faith test every single day um but I most of the time I feel pretty good I mean I certainly have have flare-ups and I I can see I'm kind of part of who I am now but right I mean when I was going into the surgery I couldn't feel and so I remember um my mom and my husband told me when they came into post-op I obviously do not remember this because I was on quite a lot of medication, but they said I lifted my right leg up as high as I could, should not have done that, but I did. And I said, look what I could do because I could Mm -hmm. move my leg again. And so I, they didn't know if I would ever walk again. They didn't know if I'd be Uh, here anymore. And so to come out of that, able to feel even pain, Mm. um, when I get lost and feeling frustrated or sad about my pain, I have to remember, I feel this pain because I can feel walk I can feel myself walking I can feel myself chasing my son I can Mm -hmm. feel myself sitting down on a soft blanket um and because I can feel those things yes I can feel pain but I can still feel um 
So that really helps me um, mm-hmm. in times when it's when it's a tricky yeah. day for yeah. sure. But so yeah, it's That's- just it's just kind of a, a wait and see. Mm-hmm. How does it impact your day to day life right now? It depends. I mean, some days are harder than others, but for the most part, I mean, it's been, it'll be five years in November. And so I kind of have just learned to live around it um, mm-hmm. because my mobility has certainly been impacted. Like I, you know, I, I'm not going to be doing a, a pretzel yoga position anytime. Right. right. Um, but I mean, I can run, I can bend, I can work out. I can, I can do all those things now. Um, and so on the really bad days, that's, you know, when I'm glued to my heating pad and doing my PT stretches and all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but my day today, I mean, it really hasn't impacted much um, just because I'm so used to it now. Sure. Um, but really, it sounds crazy to say that I'm grateful for it, but I am because anytime I get too stuck in the meaningless, mm-hmm. shallow worries of life, it, it checks me. And so it's kind of a constant it's kind of a ticking time bomb in a way mm. where if I'm lost and worry about something silly or small, I'll suddenly feel a tug and a reminder that, Hey, this could be gone. You couldn't yeah. even be here. Wow. Um, so what, what really matters and what, what really is worth your thought and your prayer and your, mm. um, and your energy right now, because this yeah. is here, this is, this is, you know, none of us could have tomorrow or the right. next day or the next minute. And so, I'm so thankful for that because it kind of um, forced me to become not just a backseat driver of my life, but the driver and fully present of every single moment, the good and the bad. Wow. That's beautiful. I'm sorry for what you've had to go through, but I'm glad that you've been able to see God's glory and his goodness and his faithfulness and find the joy in it. Thank you. Let's talk about that transition when it everyone else has moved to normal and you're still in the, like, this is a physical, emotional impact every single day of my life. Yeah. Yeah. It is definitely challenging. Um, and it changes because at first, right after a major diagnosis and a major surgery like that, Mm -hmm. you kind of people please your way through it. Um, you don't often say how much you're really hurting physically or emotionally, because you can see everybody who loves you and everybody around you in shock and in their own fresh Mm, grief as well. Um, And so you work through that. And then as it shifts, and like you said, people just start moving on. um, There's a deep loneliness because then you see, you know, of course you want everybody to go back to their lives. You want everybody to continue to, you know, go to work, feel joy, feel their, their life as they need to, their life Mm -hmm. as they were meant to. Um, but you realize that you're certainly not alone in it, but you are the only one who will ever fully be present with it 24 seven. Um, and so a lot of the time for me, I do have to ask, do you mind just kind of sharing with me how you feel about this? You know, because I have this big, you know, I have this big scan coming up and I'm feeling a lot of things. And the biggest thing I'm feeling right now is really lonely. And so can you just share with me how you're feeling about it too? Because I don't want to feel alone and I know that you have feelings about it. And I'm so thankful that you work through those on your own instead of, you know, telling me and adding it to my plate. But right now it'd be really helpful for me to hear those things, to be reminded that this isn't just my battle, but all of our battle. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it certainly is deeply, deeply lonely um, coming to that realization. And that's when you have to start intentionally 
inviting the people who have walked it with you in Mm -hmm. um, and just reminding them because understandably, because you continue to live and run and chase your, you know, two-year-old and people, people do forget. And Mm -hmm. so calling them back into the reality of it, especially when you have something big, like a big appointment coming up or a really bad flare up um, is so important. Otherwise you just kind of spiral into isolation and then you become resentful and bitter and down and and, and that's just not good. Right. How do you manage everyone else's grief? (laughs) Being extremely honest Mm. is the best thing you can do. So sometimes hearing their grief is helpful. Mm-hmm. Sometimes hearing it is entirely too much. Sure. And so it just depends on the day to day. I would say mostly everybody right now in my life, they're certainly not thrilled about the situation, but they're not actively grieving it anymore. Mm-hmm. And so it's not a battle right now as it was when I was freshly diagnosed. Yeah. Um, but when I was freshly diagnosed, it was at first just trying to wade through it and manage mm-hmm. it and help and be the helper. Mm-hmm. And then it got to a point where I had to just be really honest and say, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing right now. I don't know if I'm going to be able to walk down the aisle in a few months. I don't know if I'm going to be able to walk in a few months. I don't know if I will ever feel even somewhat the same ever again. Yeah. I'm living with this. And so I really need you to just be a respite for me. So can you maybe talk to anybody else but me about this? Because right now I'm just trying to focus on what's on my own plate and this is in my body. And so I really just need to be the one leaning on you um, at this time. Mm -hmm. So being brutally honest um, was very helpful and it did help the really valuable relationships in my life, the the big meaningful relationships, it helps them tenfold. Um, There's Mm -hmm. just a deeper level of understanding and closeness in in all of them. Yeah. Wow. What does it look like to best advocate for yourself? Listening to the voice in our heads. Mm -hmm. Every single one of us, whenever we go to a doctor's appointment, when a doctor says, hey, I think we need to order lab work, or hey, I think you're totally fine. Or, Hey, I think those symptoms are feminine, acute feminine pains, Mm -hmm. or whenever they give us an opinion, we know what's really going on deep, 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 deep down. It's our body. We're with it every single day. Yeah. And so really leaning into that. And if there's any question at all, when they say, um, Hey, we're going to order some lab work, bring those questions immediately up right away, not waiting, bringing them up right away. I always say to be that person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Some people call it a Karen, but I feel bad for all the Karens when we call it Karens. Right. (laughs) Um, But I, I mean, that is how, that's the only reason that I'm, I'm walking in here right now is because I was absolutely that person. And so be that person, be the annoying patient, because quite honestly, the right doctor for you, they don't, they want to know you. They want to help you. They can only do that if you're being extremely honest with them and being that person. Mm -hmm. And so how could they know that you don't quite think that lab is what's needed? You think that you actually need imaging first because you feel like this and this is different from that. And so can we just order both? Sure. They would never know that you were having that specific sensation or this inkling unless Mm -hmm. you voiced it. Sure. Um, 
And so that is huge. And then another thing I always recommend is bringing somebody who is blocking it with you actively. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's my husband. Um, For others, that might be a sibling, a best friend, um, a parent, a partner, whatever it may be. Always have somebody with you. And then be intentional in telling them exactly how you're feeling, exactly what you're hoping for, um, Mm -hmm. exactly what you're worried about. That way, if for whatever reason, when the doctor is in front of you, you show in, you get nervous. Yeah. Um, then that, that person can advocate and say, hey, Kelsey, I know that you really wanted to bring up um, the symptom that, that was new, that you wanted mm-hmm. to share with them. So maybe why don't you share it with them? Yeah. That helps so much. Sure. Just to be reminded and not to forget everything yeah. when you get to that exactly. office. Yeah. And, and yeah. even FaceTiming. I know, you know a lot of doctor's offices right now, it's just patient only. And so if that's the case, then bring mom with you on FaceTime or mm-hmm. you know whatever you need to do. Yeah. Um, having somebody with you to spur you on when you do have those moments of shelling in um, yeah. is huge. Yeah. And that person can be a listener as well. Like I was, I was a phone, I'm on the other side of a phone call for a friend the other day and I could take notes and like keep everything straight while she's trying to just maintain the conversation and intake the information mm-hmm. she's been given. And That's so great. just that ability to be a second set of ears, because then I could recap it with her. I'm like, nope, remember he said this, he said that yes. um, for anything that was missed. That's such a gift. Amazing. What does it look like to embrace the scars of your life? Embracing the scars of our lives means inviting them along our path, not denying them, not being ashamed of them, certainly not hiding them, but partnering with them along the journey. I know that the initial gut instinct when something Mm -hmm. bad happens to us is to shell in and, and kind of live life under that veil of, well, because this happened to me, this is how I'm going to live my life. Yeah. So maybe that is, well, because my father left when I was younger, I'm going to be bitter the rest of my life, or I'm going to be closed off and unloving, and I'm not going to open myself up to any relationships, um, and I'm not going to be vulnerable, and I'm not going to be joyful, and I'm not going to allow myself to be a child and experience life as a child, um, but instead... I've seen too many things. I've been hurt by too many things. Um, That is at its core fear. You're scared. Mm. That's being scared of your scar. And so it's closing you off Mm -hmm. from the full human experience. And and what a sad thing to reach the end of your life and realize, gosh, I really, I never really fully experienced any of that Mm -hmm. because I was so scared because these things happened to me and it shaped every single experience after. I lived my whole life scared because Mm. of the bad things that happened. And I feared that because these bad things happened, that meant that a bad thing was always going to happen. Mm. And so I should always live with my guard up because if I live fully, then I'm going to hurt fully. Mm. But what a sad life. I mean, I, I, um, I lost my papa in January, 2021 and he was so good at embracing the scars of his life. And, um, not only for yourself, but to reach the end of your life and realize I squeezed every last yeah. bit of juice out of the life that I was given, but for your loved ones after you're gone, that is such a source of peace because anytime I get upset about that, I remember he really lived fully. Um, mm-hmm. He said everything that came to mind, every good thing that came to mind. Um, he pursued every dream, even when people thought he was crazy, he pursued the dreams. Um, he was absolutely vulnerable in his, in his relationships and open, wide open. Um, and he just lived unapologetically and, and mm-hmm. he touched so many people in that way. Um, 
his landscaper was sobbing at his services. And that's just how he was because he, Mm -hmm. he knew that because he has hurt, everybody else that he touches has hurt. Mm -hmm. And so he made every single interaction intentional. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is embracing our scars, remembering that because I've been hurt, that means that I really want to feel joy fully. And I really want to feel hope fully. And I really want to laugh really hard and really loud. I want to be that person in the restaurant that everyone's rolling their eyes. I want Mm. to do that. And I want that for everybody else too, because I know they've also had moments when they've been on the floor of their bathroom in tears. And I know they've also had the phone call before. Mm -hmm. And so that's inviting your scars in. That's embracing your scars is just living completely fully and as childlike as you possibly can, absolutely nonsensically Mm -hmm. joyful. Um, yeah. to an embarrassing amount in every every level. That's the life that we were all put here to live. Yeah. I think about like being like that person who's laughing loudly at the restaurant. Um, and especially as you're talking about your dad, I was thinking about my own dad and he yeah. has a very distinct laugh. And my mom said there was one day they had gone out to dinner and they had spotted some of their really close friends, like on the other oh. side of the restaurant. And of course they wouldn't leave without saying hi to these people or anything like that. But my mom was like, I want to do an experiment and just see how long it is before they hear Dennis, my husband, my dad, um, laugh and just to wait and see. And sure enough, what was it? Five minutes later, you see him kind of turn around. Dennis is here somewhere. We hear him. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love it. Yes. Yes. That's it. That's the good stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and I mean, you were talking earlier about when you were advocating for yourself, like not wanting to be a Karen, but wanting to be that patient. Like, I feel like there's a difference between a Karen's just angry no matter what. And I feel like advocating for yourself is like sometimes pushing, but also like knowing what you need and standing your ground. Right, so I think there's right. a distinct difference there. Definitely. And if, if you're pushing and, and the doctor pushes back, mm-hmm. then that's not the right doctor for you. Um, right. And it's devastating in the moment because you desperately want to feel better and you want answers and all these things. But I mean, Raleigh, if I had mm-hmm. partnered with that first doctor, there's no way I'd be walking. I don't even know if I would right. be here right now. Right. And so thank God mm-hmm. I was saved from him. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, you're always going to be led to the right doctor. Even when yeah. you speak up, the right one will love that you're telling them every mm-hmm. bit of your story. They will love it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I broke up with the doctor last week. It wasn't, he wasn't bad. Oh, yeah. He just wasn't the right fit for me. <laughs> That's good. It was awkward, but I was like... I'm, I just, I guess I have to call and cancel my appointment because this is weird. That's <laughs> good. Good job. Mm-hmm. Congrats. One Thank step you. closer to the right one. One step closer, right? <laughs> what have I not asked you that you want to talk about? Oh, gosh. I think it's important that we remember that it doesn't have to be something as dramatic as a spinal tumor for mm. it to be valid Yeah. of, of sharing and mm-hmm. for it to be valid of scarring you. And that all of our scars are going to look different, but none of them need to be discounted. Mm. And so whether it's a divorce or a job loss or mm-hmm. the loss of a loved one or a diagnosis or, or um, the loss of a friendship or the, any of these different things, they're all equal. Um, mm. And we all need to lean into not just each other's stories, but our own. I think so often we might feel like we shouldn't tell our stories because somebody has it worse or somebody has it better, but that's always going to be the case. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that you should shell in and not share your story. And certainly we should never feel like the things that happen to you are your fault. Mm -hmm. It's just not, 
it's just not your fault. Um, no matter how intense the experience was, it's never going to be your fault. And it's never going to be something you should feel guilty about, whatever your scar is, but it's always going to be your responsibility to take it and make Mm. something out of it and to continue to fight forward. It's, it's incredibly difficult a lot of the days, but again, I just always think about how will I feel looking back on this day Mm -hmm. when I'm on my deathbed? Mm. If I live this day, like I'm picturing my deathbed, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to be that person in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to see my neighbor when I get my nail, my mail, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to wave and ask how their day was and really, really want to know how their day was. Yeah. And I'm going to be the one that talks way too much to the cashier just because I want them to know that they really matter. Mm. And that's how I want to live my life. That's how we yeah. work. We need to live our lives. And so no matter what your scars from um, mm-hmm. scars, multiple scars, but no matter where they come from, um, it's valid. Um, yeah. It's not your fault. It's worthy mm-hmm. of healing, but it's your responsibility to take it there. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I always, I mean, I love getting to talk to people and hearing their stories, but I always especially consider conversations really good when I'm like, I am loving this call and I don't want it to be over, but I also want to go sit with Jesus and process some of this. Um, And I am at that point. So thank you. you. I'm not going to cut it off this instant, but I am (laughs) eager to go listen to the recording again and to sit with him and process some of it. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Of course. Of course. Kelsey, if we want to learn more, where can we find you online? So my last name's tricky. Um, <laughs> it is Kelsey Flighterer. So you can find me. I'm most often on Instagram. And that's where you'll find, you'll find all of the things. So Perfect. all of the links, the links to my website, um, and then my other social channels. The best place to go is my Instagram. And yep. my handle is at Kelsey.Flighterer. So K-E-L-S-E-Y dot Flighterer, which is P as in Paul, F as in Frank, L-E-I, D as in Donald, E-R-E-R. Perfect. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. Yeah. Make it easier. I'm I'll, still learning how to spell it, so it's fine. <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> um, that's awesome. And then one of the fun questions that we like to ask people on our show is what's something you've learned this week or this month? Oh, you're making me think. <laughs> wow. Can you start? <laughs> Can you sure. tell me yours first? Yeah, now I have to think of one too. Um, I have learned that getting a new computer is not nearly as simple as I thought it would be. Oh yeah. <laughs> Cause we chatted about this earlier, but I'm sitting here with my old computer and my new computer. Cause I haven't, I thought I transferred everything over, but apparently I haven't. Oh, so I'm duo wow. screening over here. This is not nearly as <laughs> simple as I fancy. thought. You're very I, I'm fancy. very fancy. <laughs> it's like you're landing planes with your dual. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. yeah. This is the fanciest <laughs> I will probably ever be when it comes to technology. <laughs> Um, okay. So that, that made me think of something. I have learned that latte artists are very, very brilliant human beings because the world of latte art is a whole phenomenon. Mm. It is very difficult. I have set out to challenge myself to try to start making the little latte art in my coffees in the morning. And it is very difficult. And Mm. it is also so much fun to fail and fall on your face. Yeah. So I have, I have woken up, I'm terrible at it, sure. but I continue to try to do it every morning and I look forward to it mm-hmm. because it's hilarious. Sure. And so it's something <laughs> that I can fail at, but still mm-hmm. have so much fun doing. Yeah. Um, and I have 
always respected baristas, but now there's a whole new level of respect for them because mm-hmm. they are absolutely brilliant. The designs that they make, even, even just, just the hearts or just the tulips they make. Yeah. Those are hard. It's been a month of, of trying to do it and I still oh, cannot wow. do it. It always ends up looking like a, a Disney character, like it, it <laughs> at the frog and it's just not. Sure. Just, so oh, wow. yes, barista latte art. Ooh, wow. Not for the faint of heart. It's a, it is a gift. Truly. It is. Yeah. That's good to know. I've always seen them and I've always appreciated them, but I've never yeah. tried it. Yes. You should definitely try it. It is I a lot of fun. It. Okay. It's a lot I, of fun. I love those things that you like, you can be terrible at and still absolutely love. Yeah. Like there are a couple too. of sports that I am just awful at, but are so much fun to me. Yeah. It's, it's a different kind of fun. It's, yeah. it's a blast. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Would you be willing to pray for us? I didn't ask you this before. Sure. That'd be okay. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for connecting Katie and I. And I just pray for every single listener there that you just be near to them and not just their hearts, but all of their joys, Lord. And I just pray that you're with us in the week ahead and in the walks ahead. And that even in those footsteps that might feel very lonely, you make yourself known to us, Lord. And I pray that you have your hand over all of our lives and that you bring us nonsensical joy in the mm-hmm. very, very small moments of our day. I pray that you invite us into brave friendships and brave relationships and being vulnerable with one another and vulnerable with ourselves. And I pray that you invite us to never stop learning, not mm-hmm. just about you, but about each other and about life as a whole. It's all from you, Lord. And we are so thankful. Please keep us all safe. Please keep everyone in the path of the storm safe this week. Mm-hmm. We just love you so much. We thank you so much. In your name we pray forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Are y'all in the path of the storm? We are, but it, it's shifting west. So we're, okay. I think we're going to be good. And if okay. it comes, so Monday morning, today's Sunday, today's tomorrow, Sunday. tomorrow morning, yeah. <laughs> that's when we're really going to make our decision because okay. if it still looks like it's kind of in our path, we're going to head to Orlando just to be safe. Okay. Yeah. And but where, where are you in Florida? The two story. We're in the Florida okay. Keys. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's right by Cuba. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So, but our house is two story um, and it was built in 2017. So it's okay. very strong. Okay. Uh, and so we're very, very blessed. So even if it does turn into a hurricane, um, we okay. should be, the house should be okay. And then we, okay. we'll head to Orlando to be with family. Okay. So we'll be okay. Got yeah. it. Got it. Got it. Well, I hope that you stay safe and that your house stays safe. Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. This has been so much fun. I agree. I absolutely love this. As always, a big thanks for listening. I hope hearing Kelsey's perspective was as refreshing for you as it was for me and that you find yourself on a joyous medical, regardless of your circumstances. Be sure to follow along with Kelsey on Instagram to hear more of her Hurricane Ian stories. I'd love to connect with you on Instagram as well. I'm at Katie Axelson. We'll see you again in two weeks. Until then, know that you are loved, know that you matter, know that your story is valuable, and I hope that you too can find a joy spiral. See you soon.